We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Uh, a losing effort in Bedlam basketball. We will get to that. But first, let's bring in Kyle Porter. Kyle, what's going on? Did you have a good weekend? I did. It was relaxing. Uh, uh, it wasn't relaxing. I had to, I had to uh, pump water out of my crawl space because my house flooded underneath. Oh. Not good. Was the shed intact? The, the shed is actually the most intact thing on my property. Did the family, right <laughs> did the family evacuate to the shed? <laughs> yeah, the shed's great. Everything else is not great. Uh, no, it wasn't bad. I, I wasn't feeling great, so I, I got some rest and uh, yeah, just tried to tried to lay low a little bit, read some books, and just kind of hung out. Cool. Uh, unfortunately we had to watch the, the Bedlam game. It was, it was ugly for both sides. I mean, look, neither team could hit any shots, but OSU once again, you know, I was listening on the radio for a bit and to start the game, um, going to work and Dave Hunziker brought up like OSU has gotten off to terrible starts in Norman since forever for yeah. many, many, many years. And yeah. once again, they get off to a horrible start. They get in foul trouble, and for whatever the reason is, Kyle, OSU to me has never shot well at Lloyd Noble Center since Big Country was there. I mean, didn't he go scoreless there one time? I mean, it just whatever it is about Lloyd Noble Center, OU should never demolish it because they're going to win pretty much every bedlam there. Yeah, it's totally true, and, and it, it sort of turned into – I mean, it was – yeah, it, it was ugly. I, I thought it was really interesting. There were a couple articles that I read – Bill Haston wrote about this and uh, Barry Chandler, Barry Trammell wrote about this and, and Mike Boynton actually commented on it talking about how OU's a different team this year without Trey Young because there's so much more um, like people were trying not to throw Trey Young under the bus but he wasn't the best defensive player and OU's just so much more uh, adamant about playing defense this year and so I think when you ha- when you combine that with an OSU team that is just they're just not very good in the half court, Carson. I mean, Dustin Ragusa wrote about this for us last week, and I thought it was—I thought it was spot on. Like they—they they just, how do they? And this has been a, a an OSU problem, and and kind of a college basketball problem for a while. But they just, how do they generate half court offense? It's it's dizzy jack and threes, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And so, when you get into a situ- situation like that where you have to generate half court offense. And you're facing a defense that's uh, pretty tenacious. It's just it's not a good combination on the road in the Big Twelve. Well, coincidentally, I was in Norman today at OU basketball practice for my Channel Five duties, and that this very topic came up about OU. And that look, like Trey Young got a lot of the blame, sure. And in, in the point that was made to me was, look, it wasn't even really Trey's fault necessarily, but he got all this attention. He would shoot it 40 times and his defense was terrible and collapsed the entire defense. So it wasn't like Trey was a bad guy. It's just, he created a lot of problems in addition to being, you know, an unbelievable basketball player. And so they're playing much better team basketball. And, and I think, you know, we're going to have Marshall Scott on the podcast today. And I think Marshall said it best that OSU doesn't have a, a bucket getter. They don't have a bucket getter. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. And I thought Mike Boynton did a pretty good job there in the second half against OU. They got open looks. Just for whatever reason, they couldn't knock him down. And you know, he, Mike Boynton even was frustrated about the lid that exists at Lloyd Noble. He said, look, Cam McGriff's a, a 40% three-point shooter. He was 0-5. 
if he just hits one of those during the you know that, that home stretch, maybe the game turns out differently. But but and again, I thought I didn't get to watch as close. I don't know if the officiating was just horrendous, but the foul trouble was a big issue to the point that that Mike Boynton was asked almost exclusively about foul trouble and the fact they couldn't score. What do you think Boynton's uh, sort of demeanor is right now? Because he's in a he's in a weird space, right after. I mean, you have this honeymoon first year. You can kind of do whatever, and he goes out and beats obviously at Kansas, out at uh, West Virginia, and then beats OU at home. And it was just, it was you know, rainbows and sunshine. And now it's like, yeah, they might finish last in the Big Twelve. I, I just, I'm curious about what you think his attitude is, and I, I want to ask ask Marshall about this because I haven't, I haven't been around Boynton this year. He's been around him a lot more. I haven't gotten to talk to Boynton, but I, he strikes me as somebody who's incredibly upbeat all the time. But I bet the season is kind of testing that a little bit. It is. Um, from my perspective, you know, Boynton's just keeping his head down and, and working. And it doesn't necessarily – to me, he's proven he's not going to win at all costs because yeah, he's suspended guys. He, he had that great quote about suspending uh, Mike Cunningham and – um, who's the other kid he suspended? Anyway, uh, Contravius. Yeah, and he was like, "Look, I, I'm in. I'm going to be here for a long time. These guys won't, and I'm not putting up with it." So I, I think he's he's going about business as usual and is not going to comp. You know, he suspended two of his best players last year. So he's, to me, he's planting his flag and saying, "Look, I'm going to be here a long time. I know we're struggling right now, but we're going to do things the right way, or you're not going to do them at all." So I, I think he's remaining steadfast but I, I do think he is a little frustrated with how poorly they've played up to this point I don't think there's any question about that yeah for sure and it, it doesn't get easier they've got uh, Texas at home and out West Virginia this week so all of a sudden you're staring what did they what did they start under uh, remember that the year well the only year that Underwood was there didn't they start like 0-7 in the Big 12 I'd have been 0-8 and that was when they had Jawan and you're like wait a second I thought I thought this guy lost like two games at Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, and that that to me is my big takeaway is they've already lost two of the. You know they they lose they lose to Iowa State at home. You know they lose a Bedlam game that was winnable, and now now you got to go you know against the rest of the Big Twelve the rest of the year. To me, it always seems like they've lost some opportunities, even though Big Twelve play just started. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Um, okay. You want to talk uh, offensive coordinator, Joe? Please. Actually, you want some breaking news? I do. Cliff Kingsbury, breaking news. Uh, J- this is from Jay Glazer. He said he's interviewing with NFL teams, which likely means he has resi- resigned as USC offensive coordinator because USC was blocking him from interviewing from NFL head coaching jobs. <laughs> I I come at this from two drastically different angles. One... I never really liked him at USC. It, to me, it wasn't a very good fit. Um, I just, I didn't, for whatever reason, I was, I wasn't as gung ho about it as everybody else. Uh, I think with the way NFL offenses have moved to young coordinator types, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's that's the one side of this that I, I can totally get and totally understand. On the other side, he was a bad college coach. He, he was bad. He got fired because he didn't win. Um, how do you do, go for, to me it reminds me a lot of Lane Kiffin. Remember I Lane know, Kiffin went I from know. like the 
went from like Tennessee to like the Raiders, or no, he went from USC to the Raiders. That made no sense. Yeah. And that was a disaster. So yeah. I, that's a weird situation. And obviously USC has to be just livid. Yeah, I I think that there's a I think there's a world that exists where he could be, because I I think he's different than Kiffin. I, I I don't know. Was it a recruiting issue with him at Tech, or was it because he seems like the type of person that should be successful as a I don't know maybe maybe he's one of those guys who's only supposed to be a coordinator I don't know maybe maybe he shouldn't be in charge of an organization but he never struck me as so I mean he's gonna outwork everybody it seems like he, he doesn't that doesn't seem like the issue I I, I don't know I, I'm curious to see how that plays out Marshall uh Marshall Scott who's gonna be on later said he hopes he gets the Browns job oh man <laughs> that that he ain't getting the Browns job <laughs> as, as poorly as things ended with Baker and, and Cliff. That ain't that ain't happening. But that'd be funny. Uh, so I we, want uh, I want Todd Munkin to get a head coaching job. Yeah, He's interviewing for a bunch of head coaching jobs. How how great would he be at, at a press conference? Well, how great would he be as a head coach? Can do you think they could pull a trade for Gundy Gundy for Munkin wherever he ends up? <laughs> do you think the Packers would like Mike Gundy? Because I would love to see Munkin at OSU, but I, again, I think I thought it was a little silly that Munkin's name kept coming up for the offense coordinator job at OSU. I mean, the guy left to take a head coaching job in college and gave that up to go be a quarterbacks coach. He was literally a quarterbacks coach when he went to Tampa, so clearly he's not long for the college game. So I don't even know why people keep bringing up uh, Todd Munkin's name at all. Well, here, here's the thing. And I think this is something that people maybe have, maybe it's, you know, gone under the radar. He, he, I think he has a kid that's going to either maybe be there or definitely be there next year at Oklahoma state. And him and Gundy are, are, you know, as close as Gundy is to anybody, I think probably. So I, I think that there are factors outside of, I mean, yes, you're right, but I think there are factors outside of football that it, that have kind of, um, I don't know. Peak some interest. Can they hire him as co-head coach? I mean, hire, give him whatever title you want. I mean, I was co-head looking, coach. Man, I was looking back <laughs> at uh, I was looking back at his uh, his offenses. So obviously, in eleven, they're successful because they've got. I mean, they got Whedon and Blackman. You and I could have coordinated that offense to you know at least some success. But in twelve, we probably talked about this on here before. In two thousand twelve, they scored over three points per drive. And I mean, what did they have offensively? I mean, it was just, it was a merry-go-round at quarterback. Who, who I guess they still had Joe Randall, so he was he was an NFL guy. But who they had like Blake Jackson? Yeah, they had they had Josh uh, Stewart. They had Josh Stewart. That was it. Like a like a one borderline NFL guy. Charlie Moore, maybe. Yeah. Juwan was Juwan Seals on that team. Maybe. But but my Wait, here's go ahead. My point is like he was unbelievable with very little to work with in in 2012. Sure, and I think people fall in love with Todd. And look, he did a great job. I'm not trying to demean what you just said, but he was only there two years. He wasn't there long enough to to fail or have the fans turn against him. And I think what a lot of people overlook when they wanted to rail against Mike Yersich and say, "Well, I wish we had Munkin." Munkin handpicked Wes Lunt and recruited him. That was a whiff. 
Mike Yersich goes and recruits Mason Rudolph and Spencer Sanders. Yeah, that's that's two home runs. I think we'll we'll learn about Spencer obviously next year. But I think people overlook Munkin's recruiting or lack thereof. Uh, he handpicked a guy that didn't last and frankly didn't have that great a career at Illinois either. So as great as Munkin was, I think people it's it was it was kind of a honeymoon phase. He took over for Holgerson in 2011, did an amazing job in 12, and then left before he really had you know the longevity of Yersich. You know you're you're there long enough. You're going to have some games where you don't you don't play as well or call as as good enough plays. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, speaking of os- offensive coordinators, uh, how are you feeling about Bodie Reader? Couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but he sounds he sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I read uh, Thomas Fleming wrote a really great piece on him on your blog. Uh, Chalk talks back. Uh, Thomas is really good at these. So I learned a lot just reading that. Uh, I had to look at that stupid red field they play on at Eastern Washington. That my eyes are—it's awful. My retinas are fried after that. It's terrible. But, um, but to me, that's to me that's the most likely hire besides promoting Josh Henson and giving Casey Dunn like a co-coordinator title. I think that's the most likely scenario for me. But past that, I think hiring an FCS coach would make a lot of sense and. Clearly, this guy's done a good job, and clearly he has a connection already with Gundy. Yeah, I, I think the I think the path here that that is sort of emerging is I think it's pretty easy to see. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's easy to see uh, promoting Henson and then bringing back Reader as a sort of what Yursich is at Ohio State, a passing game coordinator slash uh, quarterback. quarterback coach. Yeah, yeah, because he worked with Rudolph obviously as people have talked about i think that's a pretty that's a pretty conservative path that i that i think could happen um but i don't know i mean gundy he'll probably hire somebody from a school that we're we've never heard of stillwater uh, high stillwater yeah. high oc yeah well, how about this how pro- about gundy good he'll probably hire one of his sons yeah gavin's graduating soon i would think from from arkansas <laughs> But um, how about Gundy just coming out and saying this, Kyle? This quote this week or last week was, um, well, I, I didn't think, you know, that's why I hired him from Shippensburg. I didn't think anybody would want anybody from Shippensburg. I thought he'd stay around a while, and it's worked out great for Mike. It's worked out great for us. <laughs> like, how about him just openly saying, I hired the guy because he was from Shippensburg and nobody would want him? Yeah. To me, that is not, that is that is just so, that is terrible. Like, hire the best coach, and if someone wants to come in and hire him, fine i'll go hire the next best guy you know one of my followers when i mentioned that said just make just make oklahoma state like the up and like the hot spot for any up-and-coming coordinator why yeah. can't why can't it just be a feeder system yeah like why can't why don't you hire graham harrell and and replace him after two years and then hire the next graham harrell yeah that to me is what you should be doing but i think to me kyle this this mirrors his approach to everything nowadays he's going to do what is easy and simple and you know, easiest on Mike. That that to me seems like because he just he just doesn't want to deal with having to hire somebody. Well, it it is sort of like when you get these schools that are like, oh, we're quarterback you or wide receiver. I mean, OU right now. If you're a quarterback, why and you're getting recruited by Lincoln Riley, I'm going there, right? I mean, of course, <laughs> two Heisman's in two years, and so if you're, I mean, it, it's sort of the same. That's a really good thought by. I wish we knew the the name of your follower who said that, but like it's sort of the same deal. Like if you're an offensive coordinator and all of a sudden you see guys getting hired by North Carolina and um, Auburn and you know, whoever you're like, Oh, well, I mean, if, if that's like my ultimate goal, 
then here's the next step. That's that's a great thought. I love that. Well, and they already were on, well on their way to doing that with Fedora, uh, with Munkin, you know, back to back and in Holgerson, like three straight coordinators get head coaching jobs. Like you should be able to go hire the best offensive coordinator in the country. Theoretically, if they want a head coaching job, why wouldn't they go to OSU? So well, to me, it, just keep that going. You know what the funny part about all this is? The, Gundy always talks about continuity, continuity, continuity. They were awesome when they didn't have continuity. Like they, right. like their offenses were awesome under Holgerson for they they had three offensive coordinators in three years, and the last two, I guess '09 wasn't great because they lost because uh, they lost Dez, but the last two were awesome. I mean, they were great, and and there was no continuity. But you know what? Like those offensive coordinators were great, and so I I just. I'm sort of with you. I feel like it's a little bit of a cop out, but but on the flip side, I wrote about this last week. Part of me thinks like, does it even matter? Like if you if if it's true that you can go hire the Shippensburg offensive coordinator that's making fifty five thousand dollars a year and plug him in and have Clint Shelf sit in a classroom with him and teach him the plays, like do you, does it even matter who they hire? <laughs> Not. I mean, look. Oklahoma State's going to score points as long as Mike Gunny's the head coach. So, no. I, does it matter? Yeah, it matters. But, I mean, am I worried about the offense? No. Yeah. But that's, that's, so, to your point, yeah. That's well. That's better said than probably what I was trying to say. Uh, Carson, I've got some predictions for 2019. Let's uh, hear them. Do you, want, do you want me to read them to you and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree? Yep. Okay, prediction number one. I posted these on Monday. Golf. The golf team goes back-to-back. National champions. Where is the championship at this year? Is it at Carson Creek again? No. So Alabama can complain or OU can complain? <laughs> I think Brad Dalkey is still Instagramming about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's in Fayetteville. Oh, short drive for OSU fans. I think I'm going to go. I mean, I think I'll, I think they'll have a good turnout there. Yeah. Oh, uh, as far as your prediction goes, Kyle, I think it would be shocking stunner if they didn't now match play is dicey i mean we all forget last year they were on the ropes against a&m and yeah. match play uh you and i were there and wondering if they were even going to get out of the you know the first round of match play yeah but i think it would be a stunner if they didn't i mean the fact that they can bring in uh, willie wood's kid hayden wood as like the fifth guy and he's won the oga <laughs> that's pretty stunning so i think i'd be shocked if they didn't yeah, they're, they're the overwhelming favorite. Okay, number two, uh, wrestling finishes second in the NCAAs to Penn State. Um, I'll buy it, but I, I got to see it. I mean, they haven't – what did they get last year? Oh, uh, they were not – they did not place last year. Uh, they they did not do well with the NCAAs. Yeah, I mean, that's a big jump. Yeah. And they haven't done well in a while, so I I would probably say that's a bold prediction. Yeah, it is. They're ranked – I think they're ranked fifth or sixth. Ohio State's number two. Ohio State's a problem, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's just from editing all of Seth's stuff. Seth Duckworth, our, our wrestling writer, he has me he has me fired up for OSU wrestling right now. I'm shocked John Smith hasn't hired Seth away from you. <laughs> that might happen. That happened to me when I worked at the Ocali. I was a sports editor, and – you know, Sean McGuire does a really good job for OSU's uh, PR staff. He's kind of become the SID for football. Yeah. Uh, along with Gavin Lang. But uh, Sean was one of my sports writers, and OSU just plucked him out from under me. Like, this guy's good. It's like, yeah, he's my, my best writer. What are you doing? Yeah. 
So yeah, prepare to uh, have to battle John Smith for the rights to uh, Seth Duth- Seth Duckworth. You might have to wrestle John actually. <laughs> I I yeah I would it would be bad if I wrestled either one of those guys. Uh, no, that would be that'd be awesome for Seth. He's great. He's he's phenomenal. He's doing a good job. No, really he good is. Job. Okay, number three, uh, Mike Boynton grabs a top twenty national recruit. How many candidates? How many? How many are he? How many recruits is he in on? Well, they've offered seven of the top twenty for for twenty twenty. <laughs> so Boyden's like uh, he's like us on NCAA football in college, where you just offer all the five stars and just see which ones stick. Yeah, yeah. and you I know, you know, he's got relationships with all those guys. Do you do you know how many do you know how many top twenty guys nationally Oklahoma State's ever uh, signed? I do, but why don't you tell us, the listeners? <laughs> If I have the list right in front of me. Uh, it's six. So we got Gerald Green, LeBron Nash, Marcus Smart, Keith Brumbaugh. That was a st- surprise to me. Uh, Byron Eaton was number 18 in the country, and Obi Manello. Just outside of that was James Anderson was number 21 in the country. Wow. So I don't know. I mean, that's sort of – that's the trajectory, right? Like his class in 2019 was good, but it seems like he's aiming higher than that. And – uh I don't know. There's there's a couple of guys in there that I could see him getting. I I would I would agree with this prediction. I mean, based on the, the 2019 class he just signed, I, I definitely think he'll get one. Yeah. Uh, okay, number four. You're not gonna like this one. Chuba Hubbard gone. See ya, NFL. A Kyler esque one and done season. Although I guess he played more than Kyler did last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. How much did Kyler play last year? He played that what, one one drive, mop, mop up duty mostly. Yeah, so yeah, one season is like the true full time starter. Yeah, well, that's the problem with you know redshirting a guy. You know, you you only get real one real year out of them if if they're good enough to go to the NFL. Yeah, that's why you're seeing more and more. Obviously, the redshirt rules change things now, but you you can pay a real price by redshirting a guy if he if he blows up his you know. His first real year starting. How many how many carries is is Gundy gonna limit Chuba to next year? <laughs> uh, he'll carry fewer than Justice did this year <laughs> he, without injury. He came out and said that he wanted Justice to average fifteen. He's gonna come out and say he wants Chuba to average like nine touches a game. <laughs> uh, man, that's gonna be fascinating though with Chuba and, and Spencer presumably. Yeah. That's, what's that offense gonna look? It's gonna look really different than what. Cornelius was running. Yeah. Not to mention a new offensive coordinator, but still. That's I think it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. I think spring, spring to me is going to be one of the more fascinating springs we've seen in a long time. As far as anytime you have a quarterback battle, sure, but just a new coordinator provided with quarterbacks who bring different dimensions with their legs, too. Well, it seems like, it seems like the offense becomes more athletic, right? It, I mean, you're, you're putting in Sanders or, or even Drew Brown for Cornelius. Although Cornelius ran it pretty well, I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's a maybe that's a dumb statement. Well, he did. He he proved he could run, but I didn't feel like the offense was tailored around that very, very much. You know, that kind of came and went. Whereas with with a Spencer Sanders, you're going to see a lot of zone reads where he can pull it, like like Kyler Murray. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number five. Multiple football jobs are filled. I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. And. Oklahoma State expands its staff. So when I say multiple jobs, I'm saying uh, 
I think that maybe they let go of a coach or two and replace them. I have no inside information. I have no knowledge of that. That's just, I feel like Gundy throughout the year was like, he mentioned it so often about, well, we got out coach, got out planned, you know, and I couldn't, mm-hmm. I could never tell if that was him like talking about himself or if he was kind of subtly throwing coaches under the bus, but he said it a lot. And uh, I don't know. That's just sort of a, a weird feeling I have this off season. And then in terms of staff expansion, I'm talking more along the lines of, um, you know, last year they hired Patsy Armstrong to be the on-campus recru- recruiting coordinator. And so kind of expanding in that area, not necessarily on the field coaching. Uh, I like that prediction. Um, I could see that happening with like what we talked about earlier with Henson. And I think, I think there's a real opportunity to, to give Casey Dunn a promotion and a raise, give him, just give him a title. Who cares? Co-offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator, whatever, and bring in the Brody reader types. But no, I, I I could see Gundy making some moves, but, um, wouldn't you think he would have made some by now? I mean, it's, it's that time of the year. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. And I don't, it, it, it is weird now because signing day is, is, uh, you know, there's two of them. And so it, it, I don't know. I, you're yeah. right. You're right about that. But I think it, I think it still could happen by the end of January. You better hire a special teams coach. It's not going to happen. He's in charge of it. Was it, uh, Oh, I have a great story about this. Um, I was talking to somebody who will remain nameless, who knew one of the uh, grad assistants or whatever that Gundy quality control, you know, one of those minion titles that, that run around on the field and was put in charge of special teams. Yeah. One one year. Yeah. And the guy was like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing with special teams, but he was like in charge of them. <laughs> so if you're wondering why their special teams stink and are the worst in the country, Look no further than Gundy just ignoring them. I mean, he literally has ignored special teams. <laughs> Wait, how recently was this? Uh, it wasn't this year, but it was in the recent past. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah. Isn't that – that's the only way you can explain Like, and again, I got – Whenever they were kicking it out of bounds, people were like, well, it's not the coaching doesn't tell a kicker to kick it out of bounds. Well, of course not. But that didn't happen when they had a special teams coach. Now did it. So, but it's, it's like talking to a brick wall. It's not happening. So I should probably move on. <laughs> okay. Let's get to this week's OSU schedule brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, got a full slate of basketball games this week, Carson. Men's basketball against Texas and Gallagher on Tuesday. Uh, the women are at West Virginia on Wednesday. And then on Saturday, the women are at home against Tech, and the men go to West Virginia for an 11 a.m. game. And then uh, also this weekend, wrestling is at Princeton and at Rutgers for a little uh, northeast U.S. Uh, swing up there. Interesting. Yeah. Was I supposed, supposed to add a comment to that? No, I, I don't know. There's just there's a there's a lot going on. Football, or it's uh it's basketball and wrestling season. Yeah. Um Texas is a big game at home. I mean, that's another one I think you could see was OSU needs to have that one if they want any chance at all of not finishing last in the Big 12. I know. I, I like how the the goal is is not make <laughs> make the tournament but just don't finish last in the Big 12. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be honest, like if you're if you're 
eighth in the Big Twelve, you're get, you're going to be on the bubble, right? Now Oklahoma State's not going to be because they're non-conference, just you know, woes. But generally, if if you're not last or ninth in the Big Twelve, you're going to be kind of talking about the tournament. Right. So I got a long way to go. Okay. On that one, I, I got uh, I got a question for you this week. Um, this was not sent to me by anybody. Came up with it myself. Pretty proud of it. Uh, are you more excited? So if you look at the next three years of Oklahoma State sports, so 19, 20, 21, are you more excited about Oklahoma State football or Oklahoma State basketball? Um, as, as well as Mike Boynton has recruited, I got to say football just cause it's football. And I want to see what, how this plays out with Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy. And can they, with Texas coming up, can, can OSU challenge for a big 12 championship in the next three, three years? That's uh, I, I think I'm more excited about that than basketball. I think mine's basketball. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm probably going to give more attention to football, but I'm I'm fascinated to see if if Boynton can flip it around and become a top, you know, 15, top 20 team. I mean, he's recruiting like it so far, but you got to prove it. And I don't know. I I'm really intrigued by that because we haven't seen I mean, we haven't seen a sustained level high level of success in Stillwater for over a decade almost two decades and I really want to see if he's able to do it because if he's not then what then what do you do you know so I don't know I I'm I'm more excited about football uh, basketball than football and, and I'm I'm excited about football that's not to take anything away from that I just think I'm maybe a little bit more so about basketball I don't have a question I have a uh observation for yeah, we're, you? well we're gonna do one interesting thing you want to hold it for that oh, okay i thought i had a question of the week too no 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 we'll just we'll just do one okay let's hear okay. one more time from our sponsor chris's university spirit we'll come back and uh talk to marshall and talk about carson's one interesting thing chris's university spirit on campus corner in stillwater oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast pistols firing They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, what do you got for me? Uh, Bill Haston just dropped a uh, a column on Spencer Sanders. Says he was not happy with his role, but was not outwardly disgruntled. And how about this? A, a, a Gundy guest watched a Liberty Bowl practice, and he asked, who's number three? Spencer Sanders, the guest was told. After seeing Sanders fire precise fastballs during a passing drill, the guest remarked, this guy has a rocket of an arm. <laughs> And he didn't see the field, even though he could have and still redshirted. So was the whole was the whole piece about Spencer? Uh, it actually says um, it talks about Brown. It said Sanders' participation during bowl practices was extensive and significantly beyond what he did during the regular season. Same goes for Brown. Obviously, Gundy 
was getting an early start on the transition from Cornelius to either Sanders or Brown. So I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything more to glean from this. But no, I mean, just that's my interesting thing is it looks like the quarterback battle's already begun, even at the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, my one interesting thing, I know we touched on this last week, but Mike Yurcich's title at Ohio State, have you seen it? Uh, quarterbacks coach slash passing game coordinator? Yeah, nothing about the, being the offensive coordinator. Well, we knew that. I mean, well, the head yeah. coach is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, but the whole thing is just weird, right? Like, is that a no? It's not weird. Is that a step up? See, I'm I'm really glad this is your take because I've wanted to say this to everyone that just I can't believe he'd leave to be not be a. It's Ohio freaking state. Yeah. He is from Ohio. He is going home to like this isn't going to Illinois. He is from Ohio and he's going to Ohio State. Like the bluest of the blue bloods and he's getting paid more money. Here's here's my I don't I don't understand why people think that's weird. Yeah, but here's my counter to that. If his goal I I've been led to believe that his goal all along is to be the head coach somewhere. If his goal is to be the head coach, is it easier to jump to make that jump to that from being the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State or from being the quarterback's coach slash slash passing game coordinator at Ohio State? Ohio State, because you're at Ohio State and people are going to hire from big schools. I mean, I guess I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Oh, you just hired Alex Grinch, who was not calling plays at Ohio State based on based largely on what he did at Washington State. Yeah. So Yursich already has his resume from Oklahoma State. And it was funny, too, all the releases from Ohio State, like trumpeting how great Yursich was with all the numbers. Yeah. Which I'm sure the Yursich haters on Twitter just read them, just they go cross-eyed. Like they can't believe it. <laughs> but that was interesting to see it from an outsider's perspective. But, no, I mean, look, I don't – I think he wants to be a head coach, but the 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 pull from home and being Ohio State and learning from Ryan Day too, who's one of the best offensive minds in the country too, like it just it makes a lot of sense to me. Now, does he have the title? No. Is he calling plays? No. But he wasn't getting head coaching jobs at Oklahoma State already, so it's not as if this prevents that. Yeah, no, uh, that's all fair, and he's got a pretty good quarterback coming in as well. Yeah, I mean. I, I do I I do though dislike the the jumping to conclusions of well clearly he didn't like what he saw out of Spencer Sanders so he's going to go coach somewhere else like I don't I don't I think that's just that's fitting a square peg into a round hole I think it was just he's from he, he grew up two hours from Ohio State like <laughs> that'd be like Florida State calling me even though I didn't grow up there but I grew up a huge fan of them you know a Florida, I'd be, a Florida State be, podcast. Yeah, Florida State podcast calls me and says you can talk Florida State football. Although more, more money, although yeah, more money. Although Florida State football is nothing to talk about right now. Maybe that's a bad <laughs> analogy. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to Marshall. We're going to talk to him about some hoops and uh, maybe maybe wrap up a little football as well. It's time for the Coupel Works Guest of the Week. Coupel Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold coupe works and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, joining us right now is Marshall Scott, the uh, beat writer for Pistols Firing Blog, uh, covering OSU basketball. Marshall, uh, the Bedlam game was not a uh, 
It was not a Picasso. It was not a Mona Lisa. <laughs> Was not was not that great to look at, but uh, from your perspective, just what went wrong for OSU in, in the loss? Uh, yeah, it was it was its own form of art, I guess, but not any <laughs> that I want to see anytime soon. Um, really, fouls were the big issue. Uh, the refs were calling it pretty tight, as displayed by the total number of personal fouls. But uh, OSU was on the the wrong end of that, so it's it's a lot of the you know I hate to keep saying it's the youth, but Whenever you have six freshmen, you're going to foul a lot. That's just going to be part of the growing pains, and that's kind of been what's nipped them in the bud the last uh, the last two conference games. They've given up way too many free throws, and they've gotten better at shooting free throws, but they're not getting to the line nearly as much as they're allowing anybody else to. At what point, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like that's been sort of a, and it is a theme. I mean, they're the 300th, uh, I guess, how would you say that, the 300th oldest team in the country? Or how, how, they're ranked 300 in terms of experience at what point at what point does that become not a not an excuse but at what point does that fail to become a storyline anymore at what point are they just who they are yeah I think it's going to follow them through this year because that's you know you they're not going to the six freshmen aren't going to become sophomores at any point during this year I think that's just that's just is who they are uh, post game uh, Thomas DeZagua was asked I forgot what the question was, but he just said, plain out, he said, our youth isn't an excuse anymore. These guys have played enough games. Like, we just have to get it figured out. And somebody followed up with that uh, to Boyne, and he, Boyne agreed. He said, it's not an excuse. You know, this is this is who we are, and this is we have to work to, to overcome it. Marshall, I thought you made a great point about this team a couple weeks ago in the uh, Slack chat. Just This team just does not have a bucket getter without Kendall Smith or Jeffrey Carroll or even a Mitchell Solomon. Just... Who do you think can emerge at, from this point on in the season as someone they can rely on in, in the crunch time? Because obviously the crunch time against Oklahoma wasn't great and it's been a problem all year. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Curtis Jones after his big breakout performance in GIA against like Central Arkansas or somebody. So I guess that probably wasn't <laughs> the greatest thing to base it off. But uh, he struggled since then. And so now I think the guy that everybody's looking to is going to be Michael Weathers. He has gotten to the hoop whenever he wants to. He just cannot put any layups away right now. I think it's more of a mental block for him at the moment, but I think once he gets past that, that's going to be a big uh, big upswing for the OSU offense. Yeah, it, it is funny. You watch him, and, and every highlight that I've seen of him and the, and the times that I've seen him in games, it's like he can do whatever he wants against some of these defenders. I mean, it's it, his, his first couple steps are, are unbelievable. Is he – is he the young player on this team that if if you're if you're spinning it ahead to next season to nineteen twenty is he the is he the guy that you would like to see develop the most or is there another young guy that you're excited about maybe fitting in with some of those superstar freshmen that are coming in? Uh, yeah, so Weathers, I feel like he's it's hard to say that he's going to develop. He's obviously going to develop much more, but some of the, the freshmen this year they just have such high ceilings. It's just right now their floors are pretty low. So you'd like to think Isaac Likely is going to be really good. He's a 6'4 guy who can handle the ball that's incredibly long. So he's exciting. Uh, Maurice Kalou is incredibly athletic. He just can't really put it all together at once quite yet. And then obviously Yorane will swat anything in the 580 area code or 405 area code, whichever one still waters in. So <laughs> those guys, uh, but Michael Weathers I think is going to be you know, considered the guy for them next year. Maybe if one of those freshmen step up, maybe if a Marcus Watson comes in and is just as ready as he looks. 
But I think Weathers is going to be the guy everybody looks to uh, next season for sure. Are they, you know, the fouling was such a big talking point after the game, the foul trouble that you mentioned. Was Has OSU had a hard time just guarding people or they've gotten the short end of some whistles? Just what's been the issue on that end? Because even Mike Boynton said, look, we got to figure out a way to stop fouling. What do you what do you think the biggest issue is? is it OSU or is it just they got a few rough whistles against OU? Uh, I think they did get a few rough whistles against OU, but I also think it is OSU. I think you know whenever you look at like who's getting who's dishing out of these fouls, Lindy Waters was like a exception. I asked uh, Boynton post game because he left him in with two fouls early and he picked up that third like almost right after. But it's the young guys who are fouling, and it's just because they're not used to these players moving as fast as they are. So I think it it against OU it came out to be you know OU did I think get a couple of whistles, but it, the same could be said. Uh, Iowa State shot a ton of free throws with them. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but Iowa State shot a ton of free throws. So it's not like it's uh, it's not like the refs are totally against them. I guess is what I'm trying to say. One thing we were talking about earlier, Marshall, is uh, just uh, kind of Mike Boynton's demeanor and, and attitude this year. What has it been like being around him? He, he has always struck me as somebody who's positive and upbeat, but it, have you seen this season kind of wear him down so far? Just what's he been like to be around? Uh, he's been pretty much the same, I'd say, throughout. He's obviously uh, practices, you know, he's kind of got a little different of approach uh, to him because he has to teach so much, I guess. Last year, it wasn't as much teaching as more like, okay, this is how we need to execute this season. It's, you know, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. Uh, he does a thing every February where he only eats nuts, fruits, and berries, and he doesn't, like, have any, like, meat or anything like that. And he said he's not sure he's going to be able to do it this year just because of how much coaching and, like, stress is involved. But to us, he's been he's been the same, you know, just the same guy throughout. Uh, it doesn't seem to be losing faith. He understands that this year – you know, is going to be rough with how young they are. So I think his his spirits are still good. How, how long does he do that for? That eating thing? Uh, he does the whole month of February. He, I think he wow. said he's done it every year for like seven years. I think that's Just impressive. Nuts and berries. What kind of diet do they call that? <laughs> I don't know, but it's a pretty prime time of uh, college basketball. So that makes it almost even more impressive. Hmm. Not like it's June or something. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, Kyle wrote down some questions for you. One of them is, "Why do you love Dizzy so much?" Can you explain? <laughs> can you explain this? Why I, uh, this is a question, and why do you love him so much? So I don't know that I would say I love Dizzy. I just I don't understand the Dizzy haters of the world. They act like you know everybody, nearly everybody else in our Slack acts like Dizzy is just going to get incredibly better at defense overnight one day. Dizzy is who Dizzy is. You know he's going to be a guy that gets you three pointers and you know, sometimes struggle on defense. That's just, that's who he is. I don't know why we're surprised every time he allows somebody to blow past him. I, I think, I think the exact uh, quote from someone who shall not be named early in the season after he was shooting like 68% from three was, I don't care if Dizzy lays down in the corner on defense. I, <laughs> I'm good with him shooting like this. <laughs> uh, you, you, One of your predictions for tw- 2019 Marshall was that, Oklahoma State would, again, we've been talking about this, but not finish last in the Big 12. Um, why Why was that your prediction, and who do you see finishing – who do you see Oklahoma State uh, finishing ahead of? I see them finishing ahead of Baylor because Baylor has not looked great right now, and they also haven't had the uh, the tough schedule, I guess, that OSU has. OSU's schedule kind of makes everything a little murky with you know how good they might be. 
Yeah. So I have them finishing ahead of Baylor, and I just I feel like they'll you know they'll pull out a couple. I'm actually I'm not saying I'm going to predict them to win tomorrow, but against Texas, uh, I think they have at least a decent shot. At all the all the team stats are pretty similar entering the game, except you know Texas has ten wins and OSU has six. So I I think they're going to surprise a couple people. You know they they're their freshmen can play well. They've shown that, and I think they'll they'll have a couple games of you know good fortune. I wish they're able to get a couple of wins, and I think that they'll be they'll uh, come out on top of Baylor. I wanted to pivot to some football questions here, real quick, Marshall. Just what's your take on the uh, offensive coordinator hiring? You know, PFB's been churning out some articles on Bodie Reader and, and other candidates. Just what what direction do you think uh, Mike Gundy will go with that? Yeah. So my original thought was uh, Henson was going to be the guy. But if it is an inside hire, I'm not sure if we talked about this in Slack or not. I'm not sure how long it would be drawn out, I guess you'd say. It's like, I would say with each passing day, the looks of an inside hire would get like like lower and lower, the chances of that. Um, I'm, I'm okay with Bodie. Uh, turns out uh, old Cliff might be back on the market, so who knows if that <laughs> dream can still be realized. But I, right now I would say uh, Henson's probably a, the top guy that I would think it would be. Have you seen my uh, 2019 predictions yet? Um, I think I skimmed over it this morning. Chuba gone. NFL. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, I recall that now. Do you, um, that's, how do you feel? That's, that's how a scary that, thought. How does that make you feel? <laughs> that's a that's a pretty scary thought. Uh, Who, I don't know. I think I'll. Who's, pre- who's president of the Chuba fan club? You or or uh, Kyle Boone? I think uh, I think I uh, maybe it was the first game. Uh, don myself captain of the SS Chuba or something like that. So I, th- I, I think I still have my rightful claim of that, but uh, I haven't been as uh, I haven't been the greatest captain, I guess. As, don't as late. I don't been let boosting them up as much. Don't let Boone take it from you. <laughs> I think he already has. I think he already he captained like six ships. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, one thing we were talking about before you came on is just the quarterback battle this spring. Do you think that? Um, I think this was actually in your predictions as well, but do you think that that's going to last through the spring into the summer, into the fall, or do you think we're going to get a resolution pretty quickly? I think there will be a, I think there will be a known resolution, but not an official resolution. So I think, you know, with reports coming out of practice or anything, I think that we're all going to know that it's probably Spencer, but I think that uh, throughout the, probably even leading up to the first game, there's going to be a, or, on the depth chart that we get handed to us. And uh, so I, I, that just seems like the Gundy way to do it. I don't know if it's a bad way to do it. I just think that's that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, he, re- he came out and announced that Wes Lunt had won the job back when whenever that happened. And I think he'll do it differently this time. I think he'll want to draw it out and wait till the last minute. That's kind of what I, I agree with you. You got anything else, Carson? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> Marshall, you got any you got any soapboxes you want to stand on and talk about? Um, no, not that I, not that I could think of, not necessarily. Dizzy undrafted free agent NBA. Uh, no, but maybe uh, let's see. I'm trying to pick a country that Dizzy could go to. <laughs> Macedonia, Macedonia. <laughs> He'd that, be, sounds, that sounds pretty dizzy. He would kill in Macedonia. <laughs> I bring that up because that's where uh, Kay Davis went. Yeah, he's a very K Davis type player. Although yeah. K Davis played on he's some not, good teams, he's not quite Jimmer, but 
that, that's the same style of play, and Jimmer's tearing it up in China. There you go. Dizzy, <laughs> Dizzy in China sounds like a good documentary series. Dizzy takes <laughs> China. That's awesome. Well, Marshall, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate your time. Uh, you've obviously been doing awesome stuff all year. I think this is the first time we've had you on, but um, we'll definitely do it again. And uh, yeah, enjoy the uh, enjoy the hoops this week. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Talk to you later. See you, Marshall. See you. Okay, Carson. Uh, that's the problem with not with doing this in three different cities is you can't you can't see everybody to to know who's talking next, and it, it's <laughs> it gets uh, it gets a little dicey sometimes. That was probably my bad. No, no, not at all. Um, Marshall was great. He is really smart and very like dry, funny, which is which I love. I think is great. And uh, he's been doing an awesome job for us. Can't say enough good things about uh, just the stuff that he has written and, and done for our site. Um, so yeah, good insights from him. And uh, he's got a pretty good uh, he's got a pretty good idea of kind of what's going on with the OSU basketball program, which is which obviously he uh, displayed there in that interview. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a grind right now, but uh, hopefully OSU plays a little bit better and, and wins some games to. Uh to spin a little more positivity that way. It's kind of a slog to, for him to break down OSU basketball right now coming off that loss to OU. But, hey, they might beat Texas this week and get it rolling. But, um, but no, maybe maybe OSU will hire Marshall away from you like uh, <laughs> like, Sean, like Sean McGuire was from me. So, But, no, he, he, did, he did a good job. So you're just getting on – Marshall's gone, Seth's gone. Who's next? The Kyles? Sky's fall, the sky's falling, Porter. Like, OSU <laughs> basketball stinks. Gunny doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Uh, all, my, all my people are gone. All your people are leaving you. <laughs> I'm an I'm an OU beat reporter now. You're leaving for a Florida State podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Good stuff this week, Carson. We will talk again. Uh, probably not till next week, unless something breaks. I guess with the offensive coordinator position. But uh, yeah, have a good week. Enjoy the hoops, and we'll talk soon. Yep. Have a good weekend. See ya.